Blog Talk Radio. Coming out to his dinner, 
I was told the players this. You play one period at a time, you win the one period at a time, you win the one period at a time. And, uh, and the Flyers, sure, we had the lead last 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 night, but they let Jersey in it. But, I mean, they let, they let New York in it. But, but once again, it tells you how guts and determination the Philadelphia Flyers are. That was like the Flyer days of the 75 and 74 guys when they played last night. Yeah. Is well, uh, Roy with us yet? No, I guess uh, Frank? Frank yeah. Frankie hasn't got a hold of him yet. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, hey, listen, it's good to it's good to have Frankie around. We haven't talked to him in a long time. I know. Yeah. It does. You know, and, and I think it's he's got two kids. <laughs> you know, the last since the last time we had him on. You know? That's yes. right. Uh-oh. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful children. Beautiful children. That's the way. Gorgeous, gorgeous kids. You know, I tell you. Yeah. That, he's calling now. Okay. Oh, hey, there we go. <laughs> there we go. There we go. How are we doing? Good. Where are How we're waiting for you? How you doing? I'm good. I was waiting for a call. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Roy, Roy, we've got to we've got to be honest with you, Roy. Our our leader, our man that oh. never makes a mistake, is having a tough day. Right about Frank never making a mistake. I I I am not going to blame this on him. No. I will. And Frank Frankie's <laughs> with us tonight, and uh, it's great to have him. Uh-oh. Uh oh. You know, well, it's all good I, now, uh, folks. How we doing? We're doing good. good. We're doing good. You know, I well, after that, you, after that overtime goal, we're doing well. We weren't doing too well right. before that. I hear you there. Oh. <laughs> You know, Roy, I, I, I just if you want to get to the NF, uh, NFL for just a second. I got the uh, press release today. You probably saw it. The uh, uh, Falcons signed that quarterback that uh, was, I think, drafted by the Eagles originally. And uh, Kyle Landford or something like that. I'll, I'll pick it up. But the uh, I, I, I was surprised because I thought they were pretty stable at quarterback with Ryan and, uh, you know, whoever they had. But obviously, uh, they, uh, I guess Coach Quinn wasn't too happy and uh, and Dirk Cutter wasn't too happy with what they uh, saw in camp. So they made that deal today. Well, I'll tell you what some teams are doing. Um, there, You know, there's obviously a fear out there about, you know, what happens if, uh, you know, if somebody gets, gets COVID-19, right? So yeah. teams are kind of stockpiling a little bit at the quarterback position. The Buccaneers uh, here in Tampa are talking about keeping at least three and maybe four. Now, this is wow. the coach, guys, in Bruce Arians, who a year ago when he first came to Tampa explained his philosophy, which is I only want two quarterbacks because I don't want any backup. I don't want any starter really looking over his shoulder. So, you know, what they're doing is they're trying to make sure that they've got a third and possibly even a fourth guy on the roster uh, available to them who knows the system, can step in and play uh, more than likely as a backup in case someone goes down, I think, with the virus. Because let's face it, uh, we're in a little bit different situation here. You've got to worry about that on top of injury. So, uh, and you can obviously you can carry those, you know, one of those guys at least on your uh, practice squad. But um, I think teams are just making sure that they've got as many as possible. So I think that may be part of it. Uh, yeah, there may be all, it may also be a little bit, uh, you know, incentive uh, driven as well. 
uh, that uh, they want Matt Ryan to play a little bit better, his backup to play a little bit better. But uh, I think the, the more, more than likely what they're looking to do here is just make sure they have enough bodies at the position who know their system that they can step in uh, at a moment's notice and, uh, you know, be prepared to back a guy up if, ha- if they have to. And the commissioner stepped there with a little bit of a press conference today, too, about uh, fan attendance as this thing goes along. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation about whether they're going to let 25% in or 30% in or what percentage. And he sort of detailed that this afternoon at his press conference. Uh, who, who was that, Don? The commissioner. NFL, NFL yeah. commissioner. What, what yeah, I, I don't know if they're. On? How, I, I didn't hear what he said. No, how many are going to be allowed? I didn't it see looked it. like he he said safe safe distancing. Did not say it was going to be in the very first game or second game of the season, but said as it goes along, they're looking at uh, letting a a percentage of uh, fans in. Uh, that'll be determined as they go along, but uh, it, it is going to be in conjunction with having, uh, which I'm assuming is uh, six feet. Uh, he didn't say six feet, but he just said uh, coordinating distances, which right now most people are talking six feet. So I imagine that's what he's talking also. Yeah. The Buccaneers came out today and said that they will not have fans in the stands for their first two games, first two home games. So that takes care of September for them. Uh, there's right. a possibility, they said, that they could have fans uh, in their park, at, uh, in, their, in their stadium for, uh, for for games in October, but I think they're going to take this probably in essence sort of like, you know, month by month and see where they're at. That's pretty much what he was detailing today, Roy. Yeah, right. And, you know, look, it makes sense. I mean, uh, things are going obviously very well in terms of uh, spread or lack of spread in, uh, you know, at the NBA bubble, at the NHL bubble. Major League Baseball has uh, figured it out, except for a couple of teams that got a little sloppy. Um, so it, it looks like everybody's, you know, doing the right thing here. So it makes sense to, to, you know, I think with football, if you can create as much of a bubble-like atmosphere as possible, uh, you know, look, you watch games and look, they're not perfect, but people have had fun with putting, you know, cardboard cutouts behind uh, uh, the uh, you know behind home plate and that kind of thing and the fans for baseball and hockey and basketball is uh, you know they've done a decent job with uh, you know covering up the seats it, it's uh, so it's working out pretty well I think football can get can get away with it too so we'll see where it goes but hey let's hope that they they can let's hope that they somehow can let fans in come October let's hope for that right now it's just not smart I think I wasn't Jerry Jones going to let uh, fans in for the first game even. I don't know whether that's in uh, or not. Yeah, I think it's up to the teams themselves really more than anything. I don't think there's a blanket uh, you know, game plan in place for the NFL. Uh, I think it would make sense if there was. I think everybody could pretty much you know, do the same thing, but let's face it, you know, uh, just about every state is different, and, you know, I heard today that the Midwest, they're thinking, is going to be the next, uh, uh, you know, epicenter for this thing, and that uh, suddenly, uh, you know, the southeast and the southwest may uh, uh, may see a, a bit of a reprieve, so, 
you know, who knows? It's something the Packers and Bears might not want to do, but maybe teams in Arizona and California may may want to, and maybe, you know, teams in Miami and Tampa, Jacksonville can get away with it. But, uh, again, we'll see. Only time will tell. Yeah. Let's let's get back to the hockey before our time's up with you, Roy, because I think yeah. you followed so closely before you, before you joined us. Uh, I sort of uh, uh, made a comment about the post-game show after the game last night on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, and uh, they were sort of harping on the fact that uh, that the Flyers, when they had the three-one lead in the third period, sort of became trying to become a defensive team and never really aggressively went to put the game away, and that's what happened to them. What, what, what would you say to that? No, I totally agree. Um, first of all, you, the, my first take from it was that it's just an example of how you, you can't let up against the Islanders. That, that's number one. You cannot let up against that team because they have some firepower. I, I think they've become a lot more offensive-oriented here in the playoffs than a lot of people thought they would be. Um, I don't think there was a lot of thinking that they were going to be much of a goal-scoring team uh, when these playoffs started. But at the end of the day, that's, that's, they have become that. Uh, they have generated a lot of offense and a lot of scoring chances. And you're right. I, I think what happened is that uh, Philadelphia kind of got not necessarily back on its heels, but they definitely did try to shut it down. And, and most teams will do that when you've got a lead like that. But, um, you know, one of, one of the old adages in hockey is that a two-goal lead is uh, uh, the, the least safe lead you can have in hockey, and the only thing worse than a two-goal lead is a three-goal lead. And you know, so we saw a little bit of that last night because teams. Let's face it; I think the Islanders, you know, they really wanted to finish that thing off uh, sure. for whatever it mattered for them, uh, whether it was a couple days off to come up, uh, you know, just just get through this and, and get ready for the next series. And so I think. Uh, they, they, you know, they, they got a little energy and uh, it's on opportunity. They got a, they got a break on a goal and, um, and, and then it really kind of ignited them, but you know, good, good for Philadelphia to bounce back even after the Islanders bounce back. And I think the thing you, if you're the Islanders, you worry about now is that the thing that's been hurting Philadelphia all the way through is they weren't getting a lot of scoring from their top scorers. Well, right. now those mm-hmm. guys are starting to step up. You know, you saw Lawton get his get his points. Uh, uh, Konechny's getting his points. Uh, Hayes is getting in there. You know, Claude Giroux is is obviously getting involved. So uh, it's uh, you know, Provorov's still not playing at the level I I think he can play at. Um, but you're starting to see some of the other guys, and uh, that's going to make this game tomorrow night uh, very interesting, and could 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 allow Philadelphia to push to push to a game seven. And obviously, if that happens, um, it's anybody's ball game. So. We'll see where this goes, but uh, I like obviously the way Philly uh, Philly's playing now compared to the way they, the way the way the way they were playing. Um, I just think they, you know, for whatever reason, the, I think the guys at the top were just pressing a little bit. And let's face it, the Islanders are very tough defensively. They are very very uh, the, very. If they yeah. end up playing Tampa, um, you know, if you're looking for a good matchup, I, I I honestly think that right now the Islanders have a better chance of beating Tampa than the Flyers do. Um, Tommy doesn't want to hear that because that's where it looks like it's going. But uh, we'll see where it ends. But, um, yeah, but, uh, but you got to track the money. Follow the money, Tommy. That sounds good, Roger. <laughs> I mean, Roger, I, you know, I, I think you agreed with me. I mean, it, it, the Islanders can, can flat out shut you down. Very fast. Absolutely. An exceptional coach. You're exactly right, Roy. I, that team has worried me from the first face-off. 
the way they yep. play, and they just take the flyers out of their game in many ways. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, getting back to your uh, excellent point about that they didn't keep the foot to the pedal, I, I think about those Super Bowls that we've seen in recent years where the, uh, uh, the team that was ahead, including the Falcons, against the Pats. Okay, that was one. I mean, you know, there, there's other ones. You've got to be aggressive. You can't let up at all because in sports they can come back. You never know what's going to happen. You know, it's a great point, Roger, because the thing I think a lot of teams forget about, and I, I, I let's face it, the, the Flyers didn't didn't uh, account for this. You've got no. to account for the counterpunch. They didn't know what the, the Islanders' counterpunch was because they didn't have to see it. Uh, the Islanders haven't really needed a counterpunch in the playoffs yet because, let's face it, I mean, they, they, they completely took out uh, uh, the Maple Leafs, and, and then, now they, then they took out uh, – uh, now that you know they're, they're very close to taking out Philadelphia, so they haven't really needed a counterpunch, but they've got it, and uh, you know so they proved last night that they've got it. I said, I said Maple Leafs, they took out uh, Washington, but um, you know they've proven that they've got the counterpunch here. So now I think Philadelphia knows you. Yeah, you've got to keep that uh, that foot pressed to the to the pedal and keep pushing against these guys. That's the best way to beat them. Two points I'd like to make. One is that uh, the goaltending has lived up to every expectation, uh, last night being a perfect example. I mean, really, the goals that were scored were almost miracle goals. Even the the deciding goal was, uh, you know, just, I mean, what, four feet in from the blue line. He lets it go when they they wind up winning the game. But the other thing is that uh, uh, my feeling is that if ever there's going to be, if ever it shows that you're not getting a home ice advantage, they're not playing at Wells, uh, Wells Fargo Center, and uh, you know, I think this is where it really shows up in, in Game Five, Game Six, Game Seven. Mm-hmm. If it is, uh, I, I think it really makes a difference that they're playing on neutral ice. Exactly. I think you're right, uh, Don. I think that's a great point. I'll tell you what, I think. You know, in Philadelphia, and look, this wasn't a conscious effort uh, to do this, but I think they got kind of got to the point where you're right about the goaltending. It's been exceptional. Um, and, you know, Valarmov has been exceptional, obviously, for the Islanders. And then they put Tom Grease in there, and he's just as good. So uh, right. the Flyers have had a tough time, obviously, uh, putting the puck in the net. Uh, the goaltending's had a lot to do with that. But I do think that, you know, for whatever reason, the Flyers have just kind of put a little bit too much pressure on uh, – on Corey Hart here, and they they, they got to give him some help here. Not and not right. and, you know obviously in front of the net, but certainly they got to start filling up the net a little bit more. And again, that's another reason to me why Roger and Don, it's imperative that if they get a lead again tomorrow night, you got to keep pressing. You can't oh, let these, this team come back counterpunch against your goaltender because you know he's got to be able, he, he he needs a little bit of a breather here and there. He doesn't need to be uh, uh, under siege all the time. Right. I agree. Tommy? Absolutely. Hey, Roy, a couple of questions for you. Do you feel like the Stars are lined up right now as they were in 2014 for the Lightning? They played good against the Islanders in Montreal, and Flyers was a rival. Okay, you beat, uh, you beat a couple of the rivals right now, Columbus from last year. You beat Boston, and it looks like the Islanders, Islanders or Philadelphia will be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think the Stars are lit up in, in correct order. They, and I, believe in, I believe in the Stars. they got to in the Western Conference, that you get, you get a chance to play our, 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 our old friend Jeff Reese and, and, and also like um, 
also the, also the other goaltender over there. So it'll be kind of interesting what's going on down the road in the world of hockey right now. It's just been it's just been a great playoffs right now. Once again, Roy, my hat goes off uh, goes off to our commissioner Gary Bettman. Does a great great job every does a great, does a great job every year. Well, the playoffs have been have been exciting. There's no doubt about that. Um, they'll be more exciting if we have a, a few more uh, game five, sixes, and sevens. Uh, right. Unfortunately, a couple of teams have uh, you know kind of run away with their 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 uh, series here. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the Lightning, look, it's it's extremely favorable for them the way it's looking now. Uh, you know, they got Columbus, which didn't look too favorable, you know, for at the beginning. Oh but they figured out a way to beat them. They have figured out a way to beat Boston in the playoffs. Um, right. they have, they've really kind of owned them the last couple of times they faced them in the playoffs. They can't seem to beat them as much in, uh, in the uh, uh, regular season, but they've got them in the playoffs. But the, thing, the good thing for the Lightning is, you know, Pittsburgh's out, Washington's out, Boston's out. The teams that I think they really feared the most are out. Um, mm-hmm. so Flyers are still a little bit of a of an unknown commodity. Um, I don't think they've played their best hockey here in the playoffs yet. Um, they they have. I don't think they've regained uh, the form that they showed at the end of the regular season and in the uh, the round robin. I don't think they've regained that form yet. Uh, last agree. night was the first kind of example of it. And and again, once they get everybody, if they can get everybody humming that that could happen again. So that could still change, but I don't know. I don't know that Tommy, that the Islanders is a good matchup for them right now. And for the reasons I stated earlier, uh, they can shut you down. And if they, uh, if they, if they, and, and look, Tampa's hurting a little bit. I don't know if Stamkos is going to be ready for this next series. Uh, Kucherov. Uh, I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's some guys on Tampa who have, who have not shown up guys that usually you see a lot of, and really kind of step up in the playoffs, Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn. Uh, those mm-hmm. guys have not really shown up much here in the playoffs. Anthony Sorelli hasn't done much. He had a big goal the other night. But um, they've got some people that have to step up. So I think they could be a little bit vulnerable. Uh, if Philadelphia can regain its, uh, the game that it was playing uh, in the round robin at the end of the season, or if uh, the Islanders can keep playing the way they have, I think that, that, that could make for a tough series for Tampa. Uh, before they get to the finals, if they get to the finals. Roger, you follow, you, follow the, you follow the New York papers as much as I do. and, and uh, But the one thing I've really been disappointed in, and you know, looking at the competition, the NBA playing in their bubble and, and the, the tournament as well, uh, the hockey that's going on, the golf that's going on, the baseball that's going on, I haven't seen any comparison ratings as to yeah, you know, because and now we got the Kentucky Derby this Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I there's so much going on. I just I just thought that somewhere along the line somebody would give us an idea of of people just going back and forth from one event to another. What's happening? I haven't seen anything. Well, I haven't either. And uh, you know, usually uh, Phil Mushnick in the post uh, posts that. And uh, wasn't the Indy 500? I watched that. What last weekend? Right. That was last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. It's just one big event after another, and uh, I don't know. It's a good question, but I haven't seen it on any uh, Philadelphia postings either about uh, Roy. What are they saying down? What are they saying in Tampa where you are? are they saying anything about? Uh, I would imagine the Lightning would certainly have to be. Uh, although, hey, 
what could you have more than the last night's game between the Yankees and the Rays? <laughs> I mean, they got more people watching the opening of that game tonight. Uh, holy smokes. I mean, they spent uh, 15 minutes with all the suspensions and what's going on there uh, before the game even started. But, I mean, what mm-hmm. are they saying uh, in Tampa, Ray? Well, the, uh, the the Lightning are kind of all the rage here. Tommy can, can confirm that. I mean, that's really what everybody's talking about the most. And I, and I think it's primarily because, uh, you know, let's face it, they're in the playoffs. And the Rays are, uh, you know, it's just it's regular season for the Rays, even though playing exceptionally well. But I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something, guys. You know, and I mean, you know, people are wondering what the ratings are. It's hard to really, you know, say and what the, the ratings are important. But there's so many people watching, you know, uh, streaming live uh, events on computers and tablets and things like that. Last night, guys, I'll tell you this. This is a true story. Last night, at one point, I had my TV on one game. I had one mm-hmm. computer, my computer on another in my lap. And right next to mm-hmm. me, I had a tablet with another game <laughs> on. I, I was doing exactly the same thing, on. but I was watching the tennis. I was watching Williams. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean, I, hey. I, I, I mean, I, I, went, I did exactly what you're doing. At the Yankee game on with the Rays. I had the tennis on. I mean, yeah. I don't know what you do. I know it's hard. I mean, look, we we were we were so starved for sports for so long. Now we have right. got almost too much, and we got a big golf <laughs> tournament coming up this weekend. I mean, right. it's like you literally. I mean, in, in a way, it's like thankfully we're in the the era of. Of, of computers and tablets and, and, and smartphones where we can watch these things because you need them all to kind of keep track. Yeah, right. You can have to have a, a living room like Elvis had with a, with a bank of TVs in front of you. Oh, wow. It's like, a, it's you. like an old-fashioned uh, control a room and a TV station. That's well, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everybody needs, a, you know, a, a dozen monitors here to keep track of things. So uh, you're right. But it's, you know what? Hey, it's a great time in sports. Um, mm-hmm. This is a this is a September like we've never seen before, and wait till football starts, guys. <laughs> go, oh, go next, next Thursday night could be one of the most <laughs> interesting nights in all, in sports history. There's going to be oh, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, a football game, baseball games all over the place. It's going to be absolutely outrageous. That's going to be crazy. Uh, yeah. as, as you say, it's almost an overkill. I mean, you just can't keep up. Almost. You keep yeah, you know, go for it. I got sets all over the place here. I'm looking, watching it. I said, Mike, who the hell can watch all this? I must be crazy. <laughs> that's, that's the challenge now. How much can you watch and actually two o'clock, know, two o'clock this morning they were still playing they were still playing tennis at the New York <laughs> at the yeah. open. And I'm still yeah. sitting there. I said, What am I doing here? <laughs> well, I'll give hey, you, I'll I'll give you, you a couple of scores. The heater up over the bucks that they have. 66 to 50. And then the hockey game, I, you know, uh, for Roy, you guys, what, what are you, who do you pick in that uh, game out in the West with the Avalanche? Mm. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I don't the watch the West. Are... I don't, I don't know anybody on the teams out there. I, I really don't watch the West. I watch the teams that I know. Uh, maybe when we get to the next round or the championship or whatever, uh, you know, Plus I'll pay more attention to the stars. West. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll Roger, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll take the Avalanche. I think they're the better team. I think they've got a little bit more scoring. Some guys have really stepped up for the Stars. Heiskanen, obviously. Uh, Rupe, I mean, they, they are, they have, they've got some guys who are really stepping up in these playoffs. Goaltending starting to, to show a little bit. Uh, I'm kind of surprised. We'll see if they go back to Bishop at some point. 
But um, I, I'll say this. I don't know if there's a team in the East that can beat the, the team from the West. I think the West final is going to come down to Colorado and Vegas, and I don't know that Tampa or Philadelphia or the Islanders can beat those teams because both of them are just dynamic. They've got everything yeah. you're looking for. They've got speed, scoring, goaltending, defense. They play tough. Um, I don't know that a team in, in the East can beat the West right now. Mm. You're way up on me. I just don't watch it. When, when the Flyers game was over last night, uh, you know, I just didn't stay for the second. And in fact, I haven't done any of it. I haven't stayed for the second game. I always go to, uh, you know, something else that's more important to me than, than the Western to, uh, Division. Well, Don, you're missing some great hockey. I'll say that. I'm not saying that in a, in a you know, in a scolding way. You're missing some exceptional hockey. I mean, uh, again, right now the Avalanche are a treat to watch. Vancouver is a treat to watch. But Vegas is even better. Uh, these teams can really play. And, uh I honestly think right now that in the NHL, um, that that's where the strength lies right now in the, in, in the Western Conference. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but uh, I won't be surprised at all if uh, Colorado or Vegas uh, wins this thing uh, at the end because I think they're the two strongest teams left in the playoffs. Well, we'll follow that. I think in the Western Conference, i got to go with their old friend uh, Jeff Reese and, and Ben Bishop. And, and, and remember those long nights down at place we all run after the game? Could you imagine that place right now, watching all those hockey games and, and playing that game we always stunk at? <laughs> Could you imagine that? Oh, yeah, I do. But uh, right now, Dallas and Ben Bishop, uh, that, that's a bit of a mystery. Uh, Bishop finally showed up on the bench the other day, and they have wow. not uh, used him. And it, it, it must be an injury, or maybe he had, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he had tested positive for COVID or something or had some flu-like mm-hmm. symptoms. It's hard to know. Uh, it's still a mystery because nobody's talking about it. But uh, finally showed up back on the bench. But you know they've been getting some pretty go- pretty good goaltending as it is. Um, right. So we'll see how it goes from Kadobin. So, um, but but again, Dallas could still end up uh, beating Colorado. Colorado's they're very good, but they've been a little bit lazy in, in their play. I, I don't think they've played their best hockey here. Um, but their best hockey is good enough to beat anybody in the league right now. I'm just saying, the Rays started off with a great night the first inning. They got two home runs. They're leading 4 nothing right now with the Yankees. And, uh, uh, of course, the Mets had a, a big afternoon down in Baltimore. Uh, like I say, you know, you, you just go from one, one of these things to another. And, uh, boy, there have been some exciting games and everything, not only in the National Hockey League, but uh, the only thing I, I really haven't paid any attention to is the NBA. And maybe I will when they get to the you know next next level or something. I just haven't had well, guys, to look at that. I'm with you, Don. I haven't touched the NBA yet, but uh, it's nowhere near as exciting as the other stuff. But you know what's one of, what was great tonight about the Rays game is that the kid who they, whose head they threw behind last night hit a two-run homer to, to, to get right, the thing right. rolling for the Rays tonight. So yeah, yeah. that's the payback. And you know what? The Rays came yeah. out and said today, not going to be any kind of a retaliation from us. If somebody gets hit, I can't promise that's not going to happen, but I can promise you it won't be on it. It won't be intentional. And you know what? They came out and did what they should have done. The best way to fight that kind of thing is, uh, is uh, you know, show the guy that uh, I'll take you downtown, and that's what he did. So uh, good for the Rays there. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's appealing his three-game suspension. And uh, uh, so he is eligible to pitch tonight if, if, in fact, he gets in the game. But right now they're down four zip. But interesting that they spent, as I said uh, earlier in the show, they spent at least 15 minutes with uh, uh, 
decisions that were made about the suspensions and whether they're going to appeal, whether they're not going to appeal. And, of course, Cash uh, had a very interesting press conference, as you said, talking about there will not be any retaliation. That was a club meeting. That wasn't a, uh, you know, that wasn't a, a press conference. Uh, uh, that was a club meeting that they had before the game today. Indeed. All right, guys. Well, it's been a great, uh, a great uh, time as always. We'll do it again next week, and Roy, uh, we'll have some NFL to talk you, about uh, in the next yeah, 24 NFL. hours. Keep me, keep me up right on the way. West, Roy. I haven't got time for those scenes. I don't know anybody. <laughs> <laughs> sleep in. I, I've been losing sleep over it. Believe me, I've been going to bed late because uh, the hockey's been too good. So uh, I'll keep okay. you up there. I'll tell you who to, who to watch out for. You got Thank it. Thank you, Roy. All right, my friend. Thank you, Roy. Hey, hey, guys. John, hey, John. I'm up trying to John, get John, we're joined by John, we're joined by Billy Warndell. Oh, oh Billy's okay. ready to go. He All is. right, Billy. We so many things are happening in Philly. I don't know which way to start, but I guess we'll start as we did just a moment ago. What's the reaction been in Philly about last night's Flyers game, Billy? Well, again, they're up three to one. And they, they coughed up the lead. The Islanders tied the game up. And, of course, uh, in the, in the second time in this series, in overtime, the Flyers win. I think the Flyers show the intensity they showed in that overtime period, in the third period of the next game, they should win. Uh, I mean, I, I just look at the Flyers and say, this is a very, very talented team. And a lot of people before the shutdown thought that the Flyers were on a roll and they're going to make a lot of noise in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and I, I felt the same way, the way they were playing. And then the pandemic hit. Everything was shut down. And they started up again in Toronto. Uh, I just think this Flyer team, even if they're eliminated, they're on the right track. The Lane Vigneault, uh, Chuck Fletcher, the, the, the general manager, they have their ducks in a row. Got a lot of young players. There's going to be some th- tough decisions we have to make uh, going forward with this hockey team because they only have so many slots and they have a good minor league system. So uh, they're going to have to make some tough decisions. One guy who might be looking for a a change of address is Shane Gostaspear. I think Shane Gostaspear will not be here next year. I don't think he uh, fits into Vigneault's long-term plans. Yeah, Billy Warndell, our guest, and of course Billy uh, is known as the icon of talk radio in Philadelphia. Billy's been doing this, and we've been doing it together, and he's been doing it all over the country in San Diego and Philadelphia, and is uh, on the air right now every single day, and uh, covers all the sports, not just uh, the not just the Flyers, not just the Phillies, uh, but Billy Warndell is one of the outstanding talk show hosts in Philadelphia. And, Bill, we really appreciate any time you take time to spend with us. Hey, Don, you were talking about the brouhaha between the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. All right. right. And I know it got, it, it, you know, it, was, it got escalated uh, to a certain extent. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing. You know what bothers me the most at, at the ball games? Before a game, you see the opposing team talking to the home team, and they're, they're <laughs> laughing and carrying on. This stuff didn't happen 30, 40, 50 years ago. The, the enemy was the enemy. When you went out mm-hmm. on the field of play, you were there to beat his brains in. And I don't know how players can act a certain way before the game, and then if there's a pitch high and tight or a knockdown pitch or a guy gets taken out at second base, they get all upset and they want to fight. 
Let me tell you something. That didn't happen that often back in the day, Don. And you can remember the great teams of the Dodgers and the, the New York Giants and the and the the Yankees. They policed themselves. If you right. if you thought you were being thrown at, there was ways to get back. Bunt down the first baseline and run right up the catch uh, the pitcher's back. There was many ways to do it. Today, I think these players are too cozy with each other. So when they they brush them back a little bit, here we go. The umpires were warning the bench. You don't do that again. <laughs> That's part of the game. Part of the game, You're moving right. guys off the plate. I'm not saying be a headhunter, but I'm saying move guys off the plate. Don't let them dig in like many of these guys do, extend their arms. The ball's flying out the right field. People say, wow, look at that velocity off the bat. I don't care if it's the velocity <laughs> off the bat. The, the bats. the bats are as hard as a rock. The baseballs are, are – are, there's no seams on the baseballs. These baseballs are juice. Give me a break. Come on. Let's get back to playing a real baseball fantasy game that they're playing today. Roger? Yeah, I'll tell you, Bill, I agree with you. Uh, I think you've been uh, uh, filling in on the uh, bull session too, haven't you, at PCB? Absolutely. We've had a good time with the bull. We had Jamie Moyer last week. We've had Larry Boa, Bob Boone. Uh, We've we've had a lot of good, good guests. and. Hold on, hold on a minute. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that don't know who you're talking about. You're talking about Greg Lazinski. Yeah, so, he the is show. the bull, but people around the country may not know who you're talking about. Yeah, Greg the Bull Lazinski, a Chicago product who ended up in Chicago after the Phillies moved him That's after right, the 80 the World Sox. Series. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you, look at, you look at Bull. Bull is a, a key component on that team as they – as Paul Owens built a dynasty. And I contend to this day, if Ruley Carpenter would still been in charge of the franchise, the Phillies would have won four or five or six World Series because he was committed to player development. And that's right. the wow. way you win. Not free yeah, exactly agents. Right. You can fill in one or two, but player development. And that was a homegrown team. No question. Look at it. Bob Boone, Mike Schmidt, Larry Boa. Manny Friel was in the Phillies organization. Then they brought him back. You know, yeah, there right. was a few guys. Yeah. The, the Bull, they, they made Denny a trade Doyle. for Gary Maddox, for Willie Montanez. They brought in Bake McBride. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they made the trade Rick Wise for Steve Carlton. Larry Christensen was homegrown. So they had a lot of homegrown talent. Of course, they got tugged from the Mets. That's right. <laughs> they, they mixed it up. Uh, Bill, the uh, we were talking about uh, the Flyers. The uh, uh, what's what's your feeling about the uh, future of the uh, Sixers? Uh, mine is that uh, they they need a lot of work and they're a mess. What can I say? A mess. You're being kind. It's a disaster <laughs> area. If they apply for federal funds quick enough, they'll get them. I mean, you have so-called Joel Embiid that says. He wants to be like Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> so, right. You better look at Wilt Chamberlain. He plays 47 and a half minutes a game. 47. Right. This guy can't play 47 and a half minutes in two games, back to back. I mean, it, it's amazing. Oh. Ben Simmons, I've never heard of a guy that didn't want to shoot a basketball. Never. When mm. you're a kid, the first thing you want to do is shoot a basketball. This guy doesn't want to mm. shoot. What's going right. on here? And, and the process, it really has worked, hasn't it? It's done a oh, marvelous yeah. job. Yeah. Four Beautiful years of job. absolute 
deplorable basketball, and the fans paid top-notch prices, and then they, they got a little taste of, you know, a possibility of going deep, and then the roof fell in. Believe me, it literally fell in this year. I mean, every time you look around, Embiid's got a, a muscle pull, back problem, this problem, <laughs> that problem. Come on. You're a professional athlete. You got to right. guts it out and get in good shape. Well, you know. Well, Billy, you and I talked a little bit earlier today, and, and uh, you know, you're talking about the, the makeup of the Philadelphia 76ers and what's happened there, the good and the bad. But who's responsible for what's happened to the Philadelphia Phillies? I mean, Joe Girardi, they left him with a bullpen, and you and I might as well have been pitching. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. Matt Klintak, if they don't get in the postseason and then go a couple of rounds, uh, at least a round in the postseason, he's walking the plank. See you later. Absolutely. And all this Got money that John you. Middleton has spent on, you know, analytics and all that stuff. Look, there's a place for it. I, I, I'm not going to say there's not a place for it. I don't want to hear velocity off the bat, launch angles, uh, how fast <laughs> the pitcher's throwing, the, the whole deal. Billy Wagner told Greg Lozinski he never hit 100 miles an hour. That was a juiced-up gun. And remember, they they clock the pitcher's release. The, when the ball's released, that's when they clock the pitch, not when it crosses home plate. That's a bunch of crap, really a bunch of bull, because it's Kofak and Gibson and Drysdale and people like that. Nolan Ryan, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Ryan Dorn? They would hit yeah, 100 miles right an there. hour every day. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But, I With mean, the they, 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 they make, you know, Roman Quinn should bunt the ball once every game. Every game he should bunt the ball once. or Minimum. Minimum, because you know what? With his speed, he's going to beat out half those plays. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what well, do Greer- people think of that? Yeah, you know, he has to hit. You got to take the Charlie Lau philosophy, hitting down on the ball for for this mm-hmm. guy. I would. I don't want to see him ever hit a home run. I I would like to see him play 162 games and have two home runs, and both <laughs> are inside the Parkers. That'd be neat. <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you 100, percent Bill. And uh, the uh, but I agree with you about Clintac. I'd like to see him and Andy McPhail go go out now. Right now, get rid of them because uh, I, well, they have not done a good job. No, they haven't. I mean, it's just like the Sixers. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're... Look at the Phillies farm system, guys. Depleted. They've had premium picks. Depleted. They're rated 22nd in Major League Baseball of 30 clubs. And here's a team that was picking in the top 10 year in and year out after 2012. Yeah. It's been a disaster. Disaster. And M- Mickey Moniak, they just put him on the uh, on the roster. You know, uh, he was the first pick in the draft out of high school, and, you know, he's never developed like they you expected know, him to. I know Mickey Moniak's grandfather. I know Mickey Moniak's grandfather very well. He played in the Red Sox. As a matter of fact, he played in Reading a, a year or two. Mickey Moniak is a guy – that is not going to hit for a lot of power. He's, he's a good defensive outfielder, but you got to find a place for him. If Roman Quinn's a center fielder, 
The right fielder is going to be Bryce Harper. The left fielder's got to be a power bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You need a power bat there. Does that mean Bohm is going to move to the outfield? Is that a possibility? Is Bohm the third baseman of the future? Hey, a lot of question marks. Well, I haven't seen much of I haven't seen much of him defensively, but he made a he really made an impact of him almost initially when he came in. He hit a home run that first day. Uh, he has made an impact uh, since coming to the club. But going back to our original point, uh, when they started the season, they're expecting everybody's looking at the expectation of what the Phillies are going to do. Regardless of whether it's the short season or the long season, they were going to be the, one of the favorites to win their division. Well, man, they've only got, what, 25 or 26 games left. And, uh, I, I mean, I just don't see how uh, they did get a little bit of help in the bullpen with some veteran players, but they had a bullpen with no experience. Philly, no experience. That, they couldn't do anything. That, 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 that was and the they problem. had guys like Laureano and uh, Drew Storm in spring training, and they let them they, – they released them right. because they wanted to go with younger arms. If you are going to make a run for the postseason, you've got to go with the veterans. Right. Simple as that. And then they realized, you know, halfway through the season, they shortened – whoa, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've got to adjust. We, we've got to make some adjustments here. We've got to bring in some veteran arms. And that's what they did. And they, that they, should they, have been done in the offseason. You're exactly right. And now no, what they are they going to be able to make up? Uh, are they going to be able to make up for what they lost? No, I, and, and guess what? They got the Marlins for seven games in the month of September. Seven right. games. That is going to be tough. And the other big question for John Middleton will be: How big is your checkbook? Because JT Real Muto is going to command a lot of money, a lot of money, and. There is. If the if the Phillies don't step up to the plate, the Yankees and the Mets are on the on deck circle, and they're Ooh. ready to spend money. <laughs> and well, and he already, he already spent he already spent all the money in the world to get a right fielder. I mean, how much money can you spend on one or two players and have a team? Well, hey Don, look, Bryce Harper's an excellent player. They were bidding against themselves. Scott Boras played John Middleton yes. like a bass fiddle. That's I right. saw it with A-Rod, with the Texas Rangers. I saw it with Kevin Brown, with the Dodgers. Bidding against themselves, that's what ends up. Bidding against themselves, all right? And Scott Boris has a way of doing that, especially with an inexperienced owner. He's already and, and playing buddy, buddy. You're right. That's exactly right, Bill. That's exactly what happened. It never should have uh, it should never have escalated. But he wanted to make a big show since he was taking over, you know, the team and uh, you know impact. But uh, it's an expensive impact. How many productive years, Don, Roger, and the gang? How many productive years will you get out of Bryce Harper when he's thirty-one, thirty-two? Will he be hitting 35, 40 home runs and driving 120 runs a year? What do you guys think? I, I think that you, the best you're going to do is at the very, very best is going to be until uh, he's 35, and that's if you're lucky. You're, more, you're right. It's going to be more around 33. Well, I think he's one of those players uh, looking at his swing and the way he takes care of himself. I've got to say that uh, he's one of the players I'd give a lot more uh, – 
chance of going uh, you know, up to that 34, 35 mark because he, he could still hit when he's 35. He's still going to be able to hit, especially playing at Citizens Bank Park. He's going to be able to hit 25 to, yeah, 25 to 35 home runs, no problem. And as you said, Billy, the DH is going to come to the National League. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but it's going to come within the next two years. And uh, so I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's got I think he's got a margin of defeat there that you don't have to worry about. Well, hey, Bill, I'm telling I you, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. Because, look, the Washington Nationals let him walk. What did they do last yeah. year? They won a World Series. Yeah, right. right. The Cardinals well, I've always, I've been, that, that's a point I made at the beginning because, to me, you put all – look how much money the Rays spend on talent. They spend it all on their minor league system and developing players and making critical trades at the right time, and their payroll is, what, $87 million. They're paying this guy $300 million. I mean, Smart it doesn't make sense. Rangers I agree with you. It's a matter of the commitment to your player development. That is the the key to any organization. If you have great player development and you're able once in a while to go out and spend a few bucks on free agents, that's fine. But when you play these mega bucks to guys, it doesn't seem like Albert Pujols. What's he done with the Angels? Besides having a foot injury all the time. Right. right? I know he has 600 home runs. Whoop-de-doo. Where are the Angels right now? They can't get anybody out. Their pitching staff nope. stinks. Right? Well, and they got Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike That's Trout. Great. All world, 400, $400 million worth. And the Padres did the same thing, although at least they started to pay off a little bit this year. They, they went for $300 million also and finished in the cellar last year. At least they're competitive. To, to uh, challenge yeah, the Dodgers, they, have, they have a good minor league system. I think it's two or three in, in all baseball. Yeah, that's the key. Well, Billy, we we touched yeah. on everybody except the Eagles, and you're a you're a football oh. man. And, and uh, give us a little where we stand now with the in the National Football League, primarily where we stand with the Philadelphia Eagles. The offensive line is in total disarray right now. The loss Boy. of Brandon Brooks, the loss of Dillard. Uh, this club's in trouble right now, guys. I know the division has all three new head coaches, but this offensive line, going into the season, everybody said, hey, this will be one of the top five offensive lines in the game. Right now, uh, they're probably in the lower quarter of offensive lines. They don't, they have not made a decision on the left tackle position, which is so important. They're still haggling with Jason Peters, who – wants to stay at guard unless they give him more money at left tackle to move back to left tackle, then that's a big hole there. Does Matt Pryor fit in? Who fits in at right guard? I mean, you got a lot of questions on that offensive line, and that is the big, big question with the Eagles going forward. You know, on that Jason Peters story, uh, Bill, uh, you know, that could cause uh, issues in the clubhouse. Don't you agree? Uh, certainly, you know, yeah. anytime there's there's money like this. But I blame his agent. His agent should have put a clause in the contract. If you move the left tackle, the price of poker goes up. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> the agent did not do a good job. Mm-hmm. Oh, Unless boy. the Eagles said, 
you're, you're going to sign here or sign on. Right, Oof. which could be. And he didn't it's have a lot of options, did he? Nobody, nobody no. was that beating down the, the the door to get Jason Peters back. He gets more no. flat tires no. than the the AAA <laughs> fixes. <laughs> hey, but really, really, look at look at all the players that are unsigned. I mean, it's it, it, it was a big release today. I mean, there are players being, I mean, good players that haven't signed yet that are still sitting there. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because everybody's waiting and seeing. Seeing what what they're going to do going forward, that's the big problem. Yeah. Especially with this pandemic. Hey, Don, can we take a, a break just here for a few minutes? We have a have a, a call on the line. Um, Ed Brodsky, the twelfth um, twelfth circuit um, state Ooh. attorney. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, and hey, just, hey, guys, uh, we need to give him a few minutes. I, I got to go run. All right. Bill, take so care. Time, Don. Hi, Billy. Thank guy. you. Billy, thank you very much. Let's switch our attention. Frank, go ahead. Let's get it in there. We're ready. Ed, it's ready. It's glad to have. We're glad to have you back. Um, you had a, uh, a a nice victory there uh, last couple of weeks ago, and uh, um, there's a couple of things that uh, you're doing with the uh, court system, other than uh, lowering the uh, crime rate, that's uh, really affected the uh, people of of the Twelfth uh, Circuit. You want to explain those to us? Yeah, listen, I appreciate you guys having me on. Listen, I was, I was uh, entertained listening to, to baseball talk and football talk, and, and now we just take a little bit of a, time, a moment just to talk to our uh, our listeners in Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto counties. And, and, yeah, thank you guys for having me on uh, before my primary election, which was on August 18th, and absolutely we had a tremendous success, and, uh, and I was fortunate to be able to carry, you know, all three counties. Um, but but absolutely, we we've seen crime over the last eight years. You know, we we've really made a difference. I think I've proven that we can make a difference in our circuit. And uh, and who your local elected state attorney, who your local elected prosecutor is in your community is important. And I hope that all of those listening take notice and, and pay attention, because it really does make a difference. Local politics matter. You know, crime in our community has dropped, like Frank said. You know, 50% in Sarasota County, 54% in Manatee County, but, but we've really done that by paying attention to the details. You know, we, we really wanted to concentrate in our community about the, of, you know, being tough on crime, taking a stance against violent criminals, having zero tolerance for violence in our community, making sure that those, you know, they say that, you know, 6% of, of offenders are committing about 60% of your crime. And so with law enforcement, we, we focused on an intelligence-led prosecution, intelligence-led law enforcement, and we focused on those career chronic uh, habitual offenders. But so we got to be tough on crime, but we have to do everything that we can to fight for, for you, for our listeners, for our community, and stand with our victims. And, and, uh, and we know that a lot of the folks that enter the doors of the criminal justice system uh, don't want to come back and they just need a little bit of a helping hand. And so mm-hmm. I think I've been uh, really working hard to address those issues, give those people that deserve a second chance that are they're, they're dealing with personal issues in their life, economic issues in their life, you know, let's give them a hand and let's give them an opportunity to walk away from a life of crime, go, you know, come away unblemished and become productive members and uh, be able to bounce back positively from a negative experience in the criminal justice system. Absolutely. Uh, you're, I, fantastic. Uh, Go ahead, you're, uh, 
you're leading the nation in, uh, in one thing, uh, and that's uh, one of the votes you've pushed that you, you've got uh, to help the uh, homeless veterans. Uh, can, you explain, can you explain that to our, our listeners? Yes. One of the things that, that I'm extremely proud of is, you know, I want to support our men and women that have sacrificed uh, and mm-hmm. have risked their life on the line uh, to protect our great nation. Uh, that them and, and same thing with our men and women in law enforcement. They deserve a lot of appreciation. But but for our military veterans that have been out there fighting for us, protecting our freedom, protecting our nation, a lot of them, unfortunately, you know, they come back and they've suffered a lot of trauma and had some really tough experiences uh, abroad. And they come back and they're dealing with a whole range of emotional issues a whole lot of issues dealing with coping back into a, uh, you know, our community, back into our uh, society, you know, not having to worry about uh, looking to step on a mine or, or drive over a mine or being shot by, by the enemy. And, and unfortunately, because of a lot of those issues, sometimes they enter the criminal justice system. And one of the best things that I think that we did during my administration is that we really partnered with our, all of our veteran organizations in our community, with, with Bay Pines and the Veterans Association. And we said, look, we want to help veterans. We want to give them the services that they need. They deserve it, first and foremost. They deserve it. And so we, we were committed to doing everything that we can to help them. Uh, you know, turn their lives around and, and uh, thank them for their service. Well, you know, I wanted to mention to you the last time you were on, I, I mentioned that my uh, daughter and son-in-law live in Sarasota, and I got in touch with her, uh, you know, with uh, your name, and she said, yeah, she said uh, they knew exactly who you were. I mean, they're not big into politics or anything, but they <laughs> did know who you were. So the name was out there. You're a well-known guy, and congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Listen, and uh, just briefly, and then I'll, I'll let you guys go, but my website is brodskyforstateattorney.com. You know, we've done a lot for, for Manatee, Sarasota, DeSoto counties. This, this is an important election. I have an opponent now on November 3rd, and uh, we, we still need uh, the support. We've got a lot of work to do. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next four years. So hopefully your listeners will go to brodskyforstateattorney.com to learn more about me, and hopefully they can go there and contribute to support our mission to continue the work that we're doing for our region. So thank you guys well, very, very much for having me. Well, one, yeah, one last uh, thing. Thank, you very, thank that, you very much for joining us, and I'll be back there plenty of time to vote. I guarantee you that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I think and there's, Frank a, and there's one other thing that you, you forgot to add. Anybody who thinks their vote doesn't count should take a look at the uh, council um, uh, Matic vote in Northport for the the uh, lead changed hands five different times during the night, and with the recount, the t- the winner was won by one vote. One vote. So wow. Think, wow. One vote. So if you really, think it doesn't matter, impressive. it does. Matter. It really does. Yeah. Every every vote matters. So please, please go out and vote on November third. We vote, sir. Yeah, I'll tell you, I follow that. I get the electronic edition of the Herald, and, and uh, so I can follow it pretty closely because I get the ele- the electronic edition every day, and. Uh, you're right, Frank. They did a lot on the fact that they came down to that one vote. Yep. Yep. Thanks a million. We appreciate your time, and uh, I'll be talking to you and uh, Craig uh, uh, later on in the in the week. Okay. Thank Take you, guys. Care. Have a wonderful Have a night. Thank day. you. Take care. Congratulations Bye-bye. again. Thank you. Sir. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Congrats. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. All right. 
we have Tom Lamine coming on and uh, should be coming on in the next minute or two. That's uh, great. Our, uh, as soon as our man at the dial gets, gets a hold of him. So. Well, that's great uh, because uh, we talked to Tommy <laughs> last week at, at Great Lakes about the Flyers. Uh, he's worked Uh-oh. within the uh, the organization for a great number of years. He, of course, did TV, Philadelphia radio. Uh, Roger, he did almost everything we could do in Philadelphia and uh, still does a little work with, even at this stage, stage of the game, still does a little work with the, with the uh, Flyers. Absolutely, he's right up there in the uh, press box with the Flyers. So uh, I'll tell you, it's great to have uh, Frankie on board tonight. You know, as I said, uh, those kids are beautiful, Frankie. Yeah, he's probably he's probably got one on his lap right now. I got that email from you, Frank, today about the grandkids. I I know how you <laughs> you got those great you got those grandkids down pat. <laughs> hey, Frank, I sent that out to my distribution list, and you would not believe how many responses I got. How beautiful it was, including a good friend of mine who's never been married. I went to high school with him, and he thought it was just fantastic. So uh, <laughs> it was very well received. Yeah, yeah it's some of the best. Some of the best. Well, I congratulate Mike, Frank's wife. Yeah, for putting oh, yeah. up with me for 55 years. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, hopefully it will last for this long. You're a team. You're a team. <laughs> it was fun. Hey, guys, while we're waiting for time, we've got uh, Mike Sims actually on, too. We better say who Mike is. He's down in the Baltimore, Washington area. And he covers all the football, the hockey, the basketball, and, and uh, most importantly, he covers all the soccer. He's a, a soccer expert. And uh, Mike, good to have you back all with us. And what do you got to tell us tonight about the soccer world? Well, I think the biggest story in the soccer world is uh... – Probably, arguably, the best player uh, currently and one of the best players of all time, Lionel Messi, demanding a transfer. And why I saw that. Is, you saw that, and that's important because the uh, contract that's on the board right now would take him to Manchester City for two years and then here to the MLS to round out his career in New York. And were that to happen, that would probably rival um, Pele's arrival for the New York Cosmos back in the day. That's the type of level that we're talking about in terms of global superstars. And if you hear the numbers on the contract, they're absolutely astounding. We're talking about, um, I think, $90 million a season, 90 million euros a season that he would be paid, which would far and away make him the highest paid athlete in the world in terms wow. of just salary compensation. I worked it out. It's like $1.7 billion a week. Wow. God, that's One, holy smokes. He's trying to get out of the contract, though, right? Uh, Mike, he, he has a contract. Doesn't he have to make a settlement first? Well, that is the argument. He believes that he has a clause in his contract that allows him to leave for free if he notifies them within a certain amount of time frame after the end of the season. And his argument is because of COVID, the season was extended. So, ergo, when he sent them, and you're going to love this, he sent a burrow back, which is – Yeah, because uh, the time actually went by, but because of the, the virus, 
his attorneys and his representatives think that he should be able to extend that time, which gives him the opportunity to put it in, even though he put it in late, right? Yeah, he says that it should have been one week after the season. They're saying that it should have been uh, June 31st. And right. So uh, the league has sided with the team and said this, but my money is that if he decides that if a settlement is not one of two things is going to happen, either a settlement is going to be is going to reap uh, some sort of agreement between the teams and the parties is going to be made because um, it's known and, and the thing about Messi is that he doesn't speak publicly pretty much at all. So for him to come out in public and say, like, I want to leave, that's huge. That's huge. Um, if they can negotiate with him and get him to stay, that that, that would be one thing. If not, um, you know, there's a better than average chance, but right now that he could end up in the U.S. one day. And I think that would be a big story for uh, for, for U.S. soccer. I know wow. that it's, uh, you know, it's another superstar at the end of their career, but still the profile would increase with his presence here tenfold. It would be way bigger than Beckham coming here. It's mm. amazing, you know, Mike. Uh, I, I got a I got a press release from the Atlanta United, and uh, I'm watching them the, right now in Inter uh, Inter Miami. Uh, Roger. Oh, oh are, are you okay? Well, you know they've got a, uh, a, a, a Atlanta United number two. Okay, and yeah. they play in what is that? That National League, right? The USL Pro League, the same one that the uh, the Bodies play in. Yeah, and they're also the uh, union uh, number two. But I found it yep. interesting where where the United number two plays is up at Kennesaw. And, and that's mm-hmm. probably at Kennesaw State because they got beautiful uh, facilities up there. That's going to be the highest populated university in Georgia in, the, in a few years. And uh, absolutely fantastic athletic uh, co- uh, complex. I mean, so, uh, you know, I was reading about them today, and they I guess they got a game tonight up there. Yeah, most of the uh, teams now have the developmental teams, their youth teams, and it's great because it gives them an opportunity to get some games against comp- legitimate competition. Um, the yeah. union have their affiliate. Uh, they did have. They were out at Bethlehem for a while, but they brought them back to Philadelphia so that they could train and play on the same facilities as as the real teams. But it's not uncommon for teams to have uh, youth teams. Um, and youth teams that play in these like pro leagues, it gives these young kids a chance to develop, and hopefully they can be brought along into uh, into. The, we see that a lot with the union. Uh, like Mark McKenzie uh, was a youth player; he played for Philadelphia Union too. Uh, Brandon Aronson, who's possibly going to be head of Europe, he was a big star at the MLS back tournament. He's another guy that played there. A couple of guys on Atlanta United, um, Andrew Charlton's a big young one that they they like, and they're going to look to bring through the system, and hopefully he'll be starting for Atlanta United soon. Uh, Any number of ones. And, you know, these guys, some of them, like uh, the Zach Steffens of the world, who was the goalkeeper for uh, NYCFC, end up getting um, big transfer moves. Uh, He's over in – Zach's over playing for uh, Manchester City right now. Oh, is he? uh, Wow. You could. It's like um, pretty much the equivalent of a Triple A baseball team. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Well, you the guys were doing. They had the they had the tournament going on uh, down here in Florida. No, I'm not in Florida now, but in, <laughs> down in Florida. Uh, how how did, how's it winding up? Well, they're back to playing regular season games. Um, they're playing pretty much twice a week, which is a pretty busy schedule. Um, and the league's starting to wrap up. You know, the union, I think, on terms of points, are about fourth in the league. They're tied for fifth in terms of uh, points per game, which is, you know, you're looking at, like, win percentage. Um, so right. they're, they're, they're doing great. Um, Atlanta's struggled a little bit. Uh, the D.C. United is pretty much near the bottom of the league. They're really struggling. Um, but the league's starting to take shape. It's going to be a quick run to the end. So what they're doing right now is they're trying to play a lot of regional games. So mostly they're playing. So, for instance, Miami is playing against the likes of uh, Orlando, Atlanta, and um, Nashville, whereas the Union have a lot of games against D.C. United, the New York teams. They're out in Columbus, which is just about the furthest west that they'll go right now. So as the virus has kept them playing an unbalanced schedule more locally and within their region, and as we start to open up a little, we're going to see them uh, expand that a little bit more. So hopefully maybe we'll see some uh, games where they're playing outside of their conference or, or they're playing some uh, mm-hmm. teams from the other ha- part of the country because it's been a very hey, schedule thus far. Tom, we're joined by Tom Lamine. Okay, Tommy Lamine is ready to go. We uh, tried to get to him a little bit earlier. Uh, Mike, we're going to interrupt for a second and uh, talk uh, about the flyer. You guys have a good week. Okay, thank you, Mike. So, talk about the Flyers of last night and the Flyers of the games that have been played thus far. And looking forward to tomorrow night's game. First of all, your observation of uh, everybody has a different opinion about what happened last night. Let's get yours. What do you think? Well, what were the other opinions? <laughs> they didn't hold the pedal to the metal, TL. What's that? It was a good game. <laughs> they, they didn't. They should. They should have continued to be aggressive and hold the metal well, to the pedal. They, uh, they really can't. Um, you know, they really can't let the game get away from them in the third period. Um, no. The, the Islanders have outscored the Flyers ten to two in the third period of this series. Wow. Um, and that's, uh, that's just not, you know, to allow, to allow two goals in the last four minutes, and let the game get away. However, you know, the overtime, the uh, Flyers played, I think it was six or seven overtime games in the uh, regular season before it ended in a pause. And they lost all of them. The Flyers wow. had the worst the Flyers had the worst overtime record in the National Hockey League. So for them to win two overtime games in the playoffs is uh, really against the grain. And, uh, but you can't keep doing that. You, you know, um, you just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, they show spurts. And once you, once you, get, once you get the Islanders on the ropes, uh, you, you mentioned it, uh, they have to keep after them. And, uh, you know the forechecking game of of the Islanders is really really good. However, you, Very good, you know yeah. you're you're uh, you're rolling the dice when you have that kind of a uh, when you're playing that kind of a game. Uh, the Flyers uh, try to com- combat that by uh, when they break out they uh, break out the three forwards and usually a, a defenseman, and they have very speedy defensemen. Uh, that turned out to be uh, 
a liability the other night when <laughs> when Phil Myers Phil Myers was caught way back and uh, more more or less saying where'd everybody go you know he's all <laughs> by himself back there in the uh, in in the defensive zone and he and he throws an errant pass and uh, it gets intercepted and turns out to be one of those game changers but um, they um, you know they just got to keep when when. You 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 give the Islanders a break, they take it, man, and uh, they're they're that kind of a team. It's almost like, do you think you're watching Lou Lamarillo's uh, Devils back in the day? I mean, right. it's uh, you know the uh, neutral neutral zone may as well be the Iron Curtain in many cases because <laughs> it is so it is so tough uh, to get through. Right. And uh, but I think. Uh, a- AV's got a plan to do that, and I, uh, you know, if the Flyers can execute it, they'll be all right. You know, uh, no, I mean, so they just had a bulletin uh, on the uh, Phillies. Uh, Tom Seaver. Yeah, Tom Seaver uh, passed away today at uh, 75 uh-huh. years old. What a class act, uh-huh. and very sad. He's had Alzheimer's for several years. and um, But I'll well, tell you, you know, getting back to – go ahead, Tom. And I wanted to get you know, back Tom, to Tom. Get, no, yeah, Tom Seaver uh, – you know, I uh, I compare Tom Seaver with Nolan Ryan in, in many ways, if only because these guys have thrown a lot of pitches and um, they were they were they were rarely on the disabled list. And uh, and I talked to Nolan. And Nolan Ryan's my favorite ball player. I, mean, I just you know, obviously when he pitches, you've got a pretty good chance of seeing a no hitter. He had seven of them, one of them <laughs> when he was forty five years old, but. He right. uh, he told me he compared himself to Tom Seaver. Legs, all their power came from their legs. And Nolan Ryan told me he said, you know, one of the things I make sure I do is the last thing across the plate of uh, the uh, the pitcher's mound is my arm. So my whole body is giving the force of that pitch that I throw. And he says, you look at Tom Seaver. You know, he stays low. He had a low low zone, and uh, he pitched in many ways the same way as Nolan Ryan. And, and we're talking about, you know, a great, a great pitcher. Rest in peace, Tom Seaver. Well, absolutely. And, you know, they, uh, the two of them and Jerry Kuzman were all on that uh, Mets team at the same time. They were all about the same right. age, right? That yep. was a great yeah, staff, that... too. And when you They're talk about finishers, that. Roger, the one thing about that group, they were finishers. They didn't go out in the they fifth were. inning with a, tired, with a tired arm or a sore foot. Mm-hmm. No, they uh, they completed their they they completed their games and uh, oh absolutely um, absolutely Tom going back many, for a you second you 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 were talking about the the Flyers and what they got to heat the pedal of the metal as Roger was saying earlier in the show but uh, <laughs> one thing they also have to do and and uh, in my view they they got to improve their power play what is it one for seven yeah you just yeah. kind of think. You kind of think they're going to break out of that. I mean, there's too much uh, talent on that team and uh, too much snipers that uh, you know on a power play. But you know, I think uh, not only on the power play, but in uh, in uh, five on five, I think the Flyers in, in many in many ways just try to get too cute, you know. And uh, um, especially on the five on five, I mean, just and if they would follow James Van Riemsdyk's example, you know. Stay around the net. Get two or three guys around the net. Cause you know if you got Berlamov or somebody having a good game, the way to screw them up is to put a lot of traffic in front of them. And I right. don't think the Flyers do that enough. No, and, uh, I watched that, Tom. And, You're exactly right. 
That was the biggest thing I picked up, and that's what I think the Islanders have thrown their, 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 their system out of whack a little bit. They were not playing like they were playing before. Right, and I think you can uh, you can distract the goaltender. Uh, hey, look, I, I, uh, the Flyers, when, when, you, when you even up, the Flyers have the best goaltenders of the two teams. Right, and without a doubt. And, and it's not showing up that way. I mean, he's placing placing too much too much uh, weight on the uh, on the shoulders of the uh, of the Flyers goaltenders, and uh, I, I just uh, I think that if the Flyers get a little more traffic in front of the net, and uh, and just uh, whether it's Grice or Rolamov in there, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I just I, I think what happened was that the the break, you know, the break is is even when when the break occurred. I think it benefited the uh, the Islanders more than it benefited the Flyers because when the break occurred, the Flyers were the hottest team in hockey. Right. And uh, but but you know be, before the break, I mean, the Islanders were the Islanders were just under the radar. They were they're a good team and they're a good team because of their coach. Tommy, I got to remember too that the Flyers play outside in rather than inside out, and uh, you know even the goal the overtime goal last night. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the show. I mean, you're talking about a, a shot from, uh, what, three feet, four feet in from the blue line. And uh, because of the traffic, as you're indicating, uh, they just ricocheted it right in. But they just don't get enough of that. They're shooting they're shooting the puck from way out. Well, they've done that mm-hmm. all season, Don. The main time that, yeah, you, know, you can't Roger do it against the Islanders. In, you were in the press box with me, Roger, and I said, uh, yeah. let's look at the stat sheet after the first or second period. Guess who has the most shots? The Blue Liners. Yeah. And, uh, right. uh, you know, uh, Blue Liner won the overtime game. Uh, I, You know, I, I think, Don, you're right to a degree, but if you keep enough traffic in front of the net, uh, the opposing goaltender, uh, you know, you you know, you, you, how about the deflection? How about that neat deflection the other night? I mean, last, I mean, a lot of things can happen when you have a lot of your players in front of the net, and that goes, that goes for uh, – Shots that come from the blue line, and uh, I, uh, uh, no, I, I just no, take us. If you got a shot at the blue line and you're open, go ahead, fire. You know, and believe it or not, for the longest time, the guys who had the best shots for the longest time for the Flyers have been blue liners. You go back to yeah. Bob mm-hmm. Daly. I mean, Daly had the heaviest <laughs> shot on the team, and uh, right. he, you know, uh, Mark Cow. These guys on the blue line just had the best shots. And uh, uh, so I, I tend to disagree with you there, Don. I just, I think if you just keep firing from the blue line, you got a shot, and you got traffic in front. You're going to get a deflection. You're going to provide a screen for the opposing goaltender. I, Go for it, Tommy. I, I agree with you 100% for Friday. You're not playing the Islanders. You were talking about the Devils and what Lou did with the Devils to build it and how they control the middle of the ice. And you're seeing the same thing. You don't you. You, you're not going to get very many shots from the blue line against this team. You may get against the other teams, but you're not going to get many against this team. Well, I, well, I think you, what you know, uh, Tom's uh, also uh, alluding to is that you have that traffic. Traffic you're not going to get many goal. shots. You to get on to Don's point. You're not going to get many shots anyway because of the way uh, the uh, – oh, dare I use the word trap? Uh, you know, <laughs> you got to take advantage of any opportunities you get because look at the forechecking that the uh, Islanders do. They're, they're the, one of the best forechecking teams I've seen this year. 
And right. uh, if you could take advantage of that, you know, it's a gamble. When you forecheck like that and you have your guys in deep, it's time to break out. And that's the only way you're going to get by the Iron Curtain in, in mid-ice is uh, if, uh, if uh, most of the Islander players are forechecking up front. Well, you know, I, I was thinking about this about watching these games, about the, the, the traffic needed in front of the goal. And I kept on thinking back about Gary Dornhopper, who made a career mm-hmm. of being uh, at the mouth of the goal, right? And, and look yep. at uh, what he did. I mean, that's what they need. You're exactly right, Tom. That's lacking. There's nobody there. I got one better. Jim Kerr. Yeah. Jim, yeah, Jim <laughs> Kerr. You know, yeah. Tim, Tim Kerr was a mountain in front of the net, and nobody could move him. I mean, guys would try to check him off, and they would just bounce off him. And uh, when Timmy scored, what, 50 goals? How many of those goals came right by, you know, within 15 feet of the net? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, uh, that, that, that's the best example I can think of is, is Tim Kerr. I mean, he was, he was a mountain of a man in front of the net. And, uh, he, you know, he, he scored most of his goals right there. Uh, I, I, I really believe that, um, you know, who knows what the problem is with Couturier, uh, whether he's back in it or not, but I was reminded that a couple of years ago in the playoffs, he played with a torn uh, meniscus, or at least, I mean, it might have been a torn MCI, and had a hat trick. Mm. And he didn't know he had a torn MCI until after the game. Uh, wow. So if Coots is, uh, it seems to me, based on that, if Couturier is in any way, shape of uh, health to uh, to play in the next game and uh, – Barzal, you know, a couple of stitches, giving the old hockey thing. He may have a, he, he may have fifty-five stitches over his right eye or whatever. He got hit by that stick, but he's playing, you know, and still playing. You know, that's uh, the mark of a, the mark of a hockey player, man. Stitch me up, coach, and put me back in. You know, that's right. I mean, injuries, injuries that would keep most human beings out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, hockey. Exactly. In addition to that, you know, these games have been terrific. I mean, there's no other sport. There's no other sport that keeps you on the edge of your seat like hockey. You know, I always say, you know, Roger, you've sat next to me in the, uh, in the press box, but I tell anybody who's coming to, uh, to a hockey game with me, that don't expect too much conversation from me because right. I'm afraid I'll miss something. Right. And, and that's the way hockey is. And uh, it's the only sport. Right. It's the only sport that when the clock is running, something is happening. The puck is live every time mm-hmm. seconds are ticking off. And there's no other sport like that. None. None. I can vouch for that. Tom, I asked you a question. What about Tampa Bay's upgraded point? The way you start having in the playoffs so far. Does he remember of that of that Bobby Clark or Bobby over the Flyers? What was that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear your question. Uh, the question was, Brady perfect Tampa Bay. Do, when he's playing right, does he remind you of Bobby Clark, the way he started out with the Philadelphia Flyers? Is Bob still with the Flyers? No, no, no. But, you know, compared to two, compared to two uh, players, Brendan played for Tampa Bay and Bobby Clark when his young days with the with the Flyers. Do you think Brendan Point is on that pace for right to, to, to be like uh, Bobby Clark? No, no. no, come on. Braden Point's got ways to go yet. Okay. And, you know, Bobby Clark's another guy who's talk about a tough hockey player. I mean, right. he'll have blood streaming down from his eye and he'll score a goal. 
You know, I mean, and Bobby Clark was the ultimate captain. We talk about captains in sports. Um, it begins and ends with Bobby Clark. That's right. Yeah, Braden Point. I like him. Good player. But, uh, nah, you know, give me <laughs> the school. School's still out on Braden Point when you're comparing it with Bobby Clark. Maybe you talking, you're talking you're referring to the style. No, Tom, we talked a little bit earlier, Tommy, just to jump ship a little bit here. We talked about Bowen, the new third baseman for the uh, for the Phils, and he made a, a play about uh, what, what, an inning ago. I'm going to say an inning ago. I can't remember exactly Great what it was. Play. Watching it. Great play. And he, he made a diving play at third base you'd love to see Mike Schmidt make. I mean, he made an outstanding play, and it looks to me like he's going to be a player. It looks to me like he's they finally have come up with you somebody know, within the system that's going to actually be a player. Well, you're right. I saw that play. It, it was impossible to believe he really made it. Again, Soto is a pretty good runner. Um, but, you know, Bohm is also... No, he's not, not that. He makes the throw sitting on his backside. On his, on the, and yeah, I on think the uh, a, big, a big plus with any team that wants to be successful is a, is a hard-hitting third baseman who can play, who can pick the corner. And, uh, you know, uh, when you when you work your way around, okay, outside of pitching, to me, when you work your way around, right up the middle is important, of course, uh, catcher number one, number one catcher. And then if you got a short scooter or a second baseman, it's good to both of them, bingo. And, uh, and in center field, but third base, um, you know, you like you said, how many have they had? I mean, you know, it's so hard to find a good third baseman that uh, right. have – can you name the third baseman since Mike Schmidt? <laughs> you got to go a ways, you know. And, and they only played sporadically. They didn't play, you know, it wasn't like they came in and played for a season or two seasons. They're sporadically. They're moving them around. They're playing this, playing this position one day, and then they're playing third base, and they're playing somewhere else. Not really a third baseman. Who? Well, the, the one guy, you know, the one guy didn't want to play in Philly. He wound up in St. Louis. He was supposed to oh, be in the like, area. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're still booing him. I know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, on a long they, see night, again, they see him on the street, they boo him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one thing about Philly fans, boy. You say you don't want to play in Philadelphia. That's it. You Ooh. have sealed your doom. You will pay the price. Yeah. <laughs> I look back when the Eagles, Nate Ramsey was walking around here. He dropped an interception and let the Baltimore uh, Colts guy have four, four touchdowns against him. He's walking down the streets, I think, University of Penn area, and people start booing him and say, you out of Philadelphia. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> yeah. that. That's right. Well, well you know, Tommy, uh, back to hockey for a second. Are we going to go to seven? I, you know, I uh, – I got to believe that they'll win game six. If they win game six, then it's up for grabs game seven. And uh, I, um, you know, they showed me something. And I, and I got to believe, you know, it, it, this is a match between two great, two great uh, coaches. I mean, Barry Trotz is one and, and uh, Elaine Vigneault is one A. Those two guys, I think, are one, two for the, for the Adams Trophy this year. And uh, I just, uh, I think, um I think Barry Trotz is doing more for less. He's getting more out of players for less talent. Uh, and Lou Lamarillo went out and got uh, Peugeot from, you know, for, well, a number one pick plus two others. Well, Ooh. 
the leading scorer? Who's the leading scorer for the Islanders in the playoffs? You know, forty-four. So right. I, um, I think, you know, at Trotz, uh, he, you know, he he brought he came into the with the uh, Washington Capitals with the same roster that was on that team basically for the previous three years before Trotz got there, and boom, right away he wins the championship with it. Uh, he was really. Uh, doing a great job down in Nashville before he came to Washington. And, uh, you know, I think Washington sold him short. I mean, that was ridiculous, the offer they made for him. Uh, you know, I would have given him the world for credit. He's the best coach in hockey. Oh, yeah. And now he's he's doing the same thing with the Islanders. So, getting into the game, it's going to be a matchup between uh, – and I, I like the way uh, A.V. missed it. He, he, he doesn't care who you are. You know, if you'll go from one, you'll go from line one to line three in a snap. If he thinks a you're not doing the job, and b somebody on line three is doing better than you, the matchup he he, he gets in there is is, is amazing. And and Pitler, uh, my favorite player, man, I'll tell you what, is number eighteen. You know, he his his work does not show up on the score sheet, but Pitlock is just uh, he, he never ever stops going. He's the energizer bunny. He's there everywhere. He's up and down the ice faster than most guys. He hits and unfortunately uh, scored the other night. But like I said, he's the kind of guy that uh, you don't uh, you don't see on the score sheet. And uh, you know, and, and number thirteen, I was so happy when they picked him up because he he is one player who dominates the game when he's on the ice. I mean, he is the toughest guy to take the puck from. He is big but he is agile. He'll pull off some plays that guys, you know, he's six, four, six, you know, 200 something. And he skates around like a, like, like an Olympic figure skater. He's amazing. Uh, I, I just, uh, those two guys together are really what's holding the flyers together offensively, I believe. And, uh, because the big guys are the, the guys who, uh, what's the quote? The guys who aren't wearing the big pants, uh, big pants are not yeah. coming through. Big, yeah, big and, boy uh, pants, Tom. Big boy pants. Yeah, the big boy pants. But Pitlick and uh, and 13 there. <laughs> wow. Where did this game? You know, they picked up Pitlick for almost nothing. He came out of nowhere. And I'll tell you, I just, you know, I, I, I watch him. I isolate on him a lot because I, want, I watch what he does all the time when he's on the ice. He very seldom looks bad. If he's a minus, it's not his fault. It's because of somebody else on the ice. And, uh, <laughs> That was a great pickup, and uh, but the best pickup, uh, I, you know, I hear this. Oh man, look at all the money they gave Kevin Hayes. But you know what? He's worth it, man. That guy is just—he's and you know what? He's—he's he's such a positive uh, guy off the ice too. You hear him? Yeah, he's a, a class act, he and he's a class act. act. He doesn't say much. I think he's a little off and stuff like. But that's his nature. But mm. the players will tell you, man. He'll come into a room and the guys will have their head between their knees and he'll say something and all of a sudden, boom, he's, you know, the whole room is laughing. And uh, Kevin Hayes, I just love that guy. Hey, $5 million. Well, Tommy, I have one theory on this, on sports, and I've had this theory all my life, and that is that, and going back to what you're just talking about, what Trotz did before, but the key is for every team, you've got to have the right administration. Lou right. with the Devils, and he wins. 
Lou goes to Toronto, a team that was so bad when he got up there, right? And what happened and what the controversy was at the end, but he got him right up there. Now he goes over to the Islanders, a team that hadn't won in 20 years, and in two years, he has them in a position to either go to the finals or very close to it. It's administration. The Phillies don't have administration. These no. teams don't have well, a, that, that. You don't win without the right people at the top. Forget the players. Forget the players. Don't get players. Get the people that know how to run the business. Yes. Well, he's a, he's a double threat. I mean, look at the times. If if Lou didn't like what his coach was doing, he'd fire and go down and coach himself. That's you right. Know, he, he coached himself. And, uh, you know, he, he picked up Martin from Detroit. I mean, from Toronto. Uh, he's a double threat. I mean, he really he, he knows the game probably better than, and as you mentioned, Don, a talent. He probably has a better eye for talent than anybody in the league. And like Certainly I said, good. He, uh, he, he's been behind the bench, so he knows what it takes to uh, team on the ice as, uh, as well as manage the team from up on the box. And uh, he, uh, he's just amazing. I mean, wherever he has gone, he has been successful. And uh, this, uh, this playoff series, like I said, Every once in a while, I think I'm watching Lamarillo's Devils back in the day when with the trap in midsummer. You know, well, I'll tell you one thing: if you're watching, you know, you're you're not going to, you know, I think the Flyers have what averaged what three less than three two and a half goals, three goals maybe uh, for the entire series. Well, that's what you're going to get when you're playing a Lou Lamarillo team. That's right. uh, And you know, but you know, low scoring games, tight games. Uh, it was only one blowout, I think, and uh, I, I just uh, I, I love hockey. It is, it is to me, it's the best spectator sport. If if people can understand the game, they would enjoy it more. Sometimes oh, it's yeah. it's a tough game to understand with the rules and everything. And if you're sitting with somebody mm-hmm. and trying to explain, you know, what is offsides, what's icing, and, and things that uh, you know don't really come naturally to somebody watching the game, but once you once you understand it, I, I, it is the best spectator sport there is. Well, the other thing is, Tommy, too, that uh, it doesn't transmit to television as well as the other sports. No. It's, a, it's a very oh, difficult no. sport because you have no idea what's going mm-hmm. on 10 feet away from the puck. And uh, so you don't know. You're talking, the, you're talking about the forechecking. Yeah. You're talking about all the things that uh, the technicalities, mm-hmm. the game, uh, but you don't see that it, on television. It, you're right, Don. It's, it's the best. It's the best sport in person, the worst sport on TV. Right. right. You're right. Hi, Don. We're, uh, Don, we're joined by Doug. Doug Hamilton. Okay. Doug, how you doing? Let me just interject oh, one point. We'll get, we'll get Doug in here. But inadvertently, uh, uh, one of the Yankee pitchers just hit a ray, and, and uh, they're still arguing about what happened last night. And the suspensions and so forth, and so of course the four umpires had told the two teams before the game started anybody was going to get hit, the pitcher was going to be thrown out of the game immediately. So, and I think the manager goes with them, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that's what happened at Yankee Stadium. They have a delay now, letting the, another pitcher come in and uh, and uh, warm up. But uh, Doug, <laughs> we got a lot of great uh, golf coming up. We got a lot of great. Uh, Coming up, so uh, Tommy, uh, terrific to talk to you again this week about the Flyers. <laughs> Hope you'll join us for a few minutes next week as well. Yes, 
I thought you were I thought you were talking Dougie Hamilton in the National Hockey League, but you talk about Doug the golfer. <laughs> yeah, Doug the golfer, golf pro. One other, well, you know what? Before I go, Don, one other thing about hockey. If there is one of the four major sports that have handled this pandemic almost perfectly, it's been the National Hockey League. You're I right. Can't remember, You're right. I can't remember any one of the players coming down with COVID. Uh, the bubble is working perfectly in Toronto and Vancouver. It will switch to Vancouver for the finals. But uh, I, I just uh, – I think hockey has really handled this better than any – you don't hear any – there's no uh, there's no issues. Uh, everybody has bought into it. And, uh, you know, when you Tommy, think I, I think it, they did that from the very beginning. You know, before, mm-hmm. the, before they decided what they were going to do, the agreement they made with the Players Association – all the things that they did just before the pandemic, and then the plan they made from that point on, I agree with you. I think it's a, of all the organizations, they were by far way ahead. Best organized, and, no doubt. And, and the only ones that are away from their families for three or four months. Right, right, <laughs> that's right. Amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that, that takes a lot. I mean, you know, I say, well, you know, no, don't don't say that. On, don't say that on TV. You'll get fired. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, what you tell me? What manager or what or what organization during the course of your entire of broadcasting career, Tom? How many times have you heard? Well, I'm glad we're going to take our team on the road because they're going to become closer. They don't have any problems yeah. with that in the family. How many times have you heard that said yep. in your lifetime? And I've heard it said to Roger, and this guy gets fired for saying the same thing. <laughs> hey, that's right. The world is the world is too full of political correctness, Don, and that's just oh my we god. Didn't, we didn't have to deal with uh, we didn't have to deal with back in then, and uh, you know distractions. You know, and uh, you know it's uh, it is a distraction, and uh, and I think. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't like Milbury. I mean, because of the things he says, and he's a little edgy and everything. But you know, uh, for him to get dismissed because of that, you're right, was very unfair. That's what that's and, what he's uh, there for. Well, let's get the yeah. golf, Tom. Thank you very much. We'll we'll do it again Thanks, next Tom, week. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate okay. that. If if it goes to it goes to Game Seven, I'll talk to you. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Take care, Our Tom. Budget. Doug, welcome aboard. You, this is this is your, this is Don's favorite part of the show. Take it away, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug, I'll tell you, we we we've talked in the first half hour of tonight's show about what's going on in the world of sports. I mean, it's the U.S. Open's going on, the golf is going on, baseball's going on, playoffs in basketball, playoffs in in, the, uh, in hockey. I mean. If you have eight television sets, you can't follow what's going on right now. Yeah, it's um, starting to get fun again to tune into sports um, with so many different things going on. I mean, obviously, if you're a college football fan, you've missed out on one week already. And, um, you know, obviously, they're not going to play. I don't know what their their plan B is. They're talking about a a spring uh, scenario and and some different things. We can only hope that NFL – uh, kicks off as it's regularly scheduled to do and, and adds to it. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's so many good things going on in sports right now. And, um, you know, I think some of the ideas to punt, uh, like in, in, uh, um, 
PGA in terms of the majors, you know, minus the British Open. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see the uh, the Masters get you know get played in in November. So we'll, a lot of good stuff to look forward to. Um, you know, the Kentucky Derby runs this weekend, and right. there's lots of good stuff going on. So, Tommy, yes, sir. A lot of good things going on right now. And then, Doug and everybody, who would thought we'd be playing the Masters in November? Let's hope it doesn't uh-huh. slow down there by Augusta. Right. And who knows about the U.S. Open playing in September? Doug, I'll ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think the, the PGA could change those states permanently or every other year change change the date for the for the U.S. for the um for the U.S. US Open and also the Masters for to break up some of the monotony on the tour? No, I mean obviously this was um, something that they were trying to do to to play the Masters and and stretch it out. I think as far as they could hoping that they could get the opportunity to play it, but I don't believe regularly scheduling it in November would be a good idea. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, obviously the weather could be an issue, but, um, you know, the, the season historically kicks off with the masters, um, the bloom, blooming azalea bushes. And obviously you, you can't watch the masters without Jim Nance being your guy and hearing that voice and, you know, the, the elevator music they play with it. So, um, you know, I I think it's it's fine. I mean, I think Don and I have, have talked about the PGA schedule and and them trying to put a basically a major every month and and add the Tour Championship in there to to have basically five months full of um, you know top tier golf and and you know sprinkle in the rest of their season to to keep people interested in between. So um, you know the the FedEx uh, playoffs and what they're trying to do with that I think is great and. Um, I don't know. I mean, golf is fun again. You know, golf is fun to watch. And, you know, we've talked about this for many weeks on, on the show with, uh, with golf being one of the few things that people could do over that course of time. And um, I think golf needed some, some level of resurgence. I think it was starting to, uh, to fade a little bit with um, lots of our baby boomers retiring and not playing golf and, and missing generations of kids and, and those sorts of things. So I think it's made a version of resurgence with people coming back to the game and, and uh, and playing a lot of golf this year, so I think it's great. Roger. Nope, oh, Roger fell asleep. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was just washing my hands, and I put you on mute. Uh-huh. You know, I got to I got to tell you the uh, you know I don't know whether you've been watching. I know Don's been watching it. The uh, Wheelers at a hundred pitches now, and. Uh, Zerger was uh, well over 100. So that shows you two two pros that, uh, you know, can still uh, – he's at 101 now. Phillies are up 3 uh, three nothing. But, uh, mm. you know, Doug, talking about the Masters, I, fortunately I was there for a practice round in 74, uh, and, um, and then I've been over there uh, one other time. I, ju- I love the place. But, uh, you know, when you come down Washington Boulevard, you never believe that you'd have a beautiful uh, Masters, you know. And uh, no, But it, it, you know what I mean. And uh, Yeah, I was, I was there one it. time. It's, um, it's a pretty downtrodden area. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that you could make a, a turn or two and be headed down Magnolia Lane. Uh, getting ready to watch the Masters and and just how it just opens up in there and it's nothing but lush green grass and um, the the azaleas and just you know what I mean it's just such a good 
place there. Mm. It's a good venue. Um, and, and to be honest with you, Roger, I think um, you, maybe you've driven past, you know, several um, in your travels, um, and Tommy's probably played them and, and whatever. But in, you know, that whole New Jersey area and up into New York and Connecticut and all that, I mean, there's so many good golf courses. And a lot of those golf courses are are hidden gems with regard to getting there. Um, you know, you go through some of these places and you think, where, where in the heck am I going? And all of a sudden, bang, you know, there's just some of the most beautiful acreage and property you've ever seen. Um, you know, right off of Connecticut Avenue in, in DC, you know, I played Chevy chase uh, a couple times oh, yeah. now and it's, you know, it, it opens up incredible in there and you just keep thinking like, how in the world can I be off of Connecticut Avenue and, and have all this, I mean, who knows what that property is worth? Holy crap. I mean, <laughs> How many? I mean, you know. So, um, there's plenty of places like that 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 you think to yourself, you know, I just can't believe I'm here based on where I am. <laughs> you know. Well, Doug, let me ask you this: but they're supposed to be doing a massive uh, improvement and uh, the whole around the whole Masters uh, building and and parking that they purchase and and redevelopment mm-hmm. of the area. Uh, I yeah. haven't seen it, so I'm, I'm relying on just reading the papers and, and so forth. Right. But it looks like looks like they're doing a major, major job of reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Well, they, it would stand to reason that it was it was probably time to do such a thing. Um, or again, Roger can attest to this, but I mean, there's if you if you go down there as a spectator, um, I mean, you're basically parking in, you know, whatever somebody's back front yard, front yard backyard or, or or some apartment complexes you know what i mean like going um, to marion <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's well, pretty random yeah. um you know yeah, but but i was thinking of marion don there's a big difference between going to the masters and going to marion as far oh, as yeah. the demographics go let me tell you no i'm talking just parking <laughs> oh okay right. okay <laughs> You're parking in everybody's driveway. There isn't any place to park out there. <laughs> well, well that's, that's right. You take the P and W. <laughs> You're right there. there. Well, yeah, I think Roger, you would know too. I think if you go to Pine Valley, um, I mean, it's that's another one of those golf courses. I think you have to go drive through like a clown's mouth amusement park or something across a railroad track to get there, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's the same thing. You know, you're just well, you got to first of, the, of all, you got to you got to a GPS to get there, right? Right. Well, you know, Doug, <laughs> uh, you had a great point about Chevy Chase, okay? Because mm-hmm. I lived in, uh, you know, in the line in Rockville, uh, Bethesda, at Parkside yeah. Apartments, which are now condos, right off the Beltway when I was on active duty. And uh, right. w- one of my favorite stations for years and years was WMAL in, in DC, six thirty. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's ESPN mm-hmm. now. But they sold okay. the towers, which you if you were coming around on 270 and, and um, 495, you know where they meet there in Bethesda, you saw the radio mm-hmm. towers. And uh, yeah. whoever owns the station now sold that for millions and millions. And yeah. there's a developer, I don't know if it's Toll Brothers, what are they doing? They're putting in a gorgeous big home community. So you're right. Mm-hmm. Chevy, if if, if – uh, an area, a piece of property like that in the same mm-hmm. general area, just think what Chevy Chase would be worth. And I just, this will be a, an interesting story because um, 
this was just in the uh, paper the other day. The uh, uh, you know uh, Kurt Simmons and uh, Don was it Robin Roberts that they own the uh, the golf course in Horsham? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure who his partner was, but Brandon Bobby Shantz. Might have, okay. But I'm not, well, Kurt Simmons I'm not is sure. still alive. Okay, right. he did a story the other day, and he lives right on the course. And he said mm-hmm. it gets very depressing. And I know, Doug, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you know who Kurt Simmons is. He was a great left-handed mm-hmm. pitcher back in the 50s for the Phillies and the Cardinals. And uh, but He's the one that got shot out of the World Series, Doug. <laughs> yeah, okay. the Phillies, so the the Phillies were able to go to the World Series that Kurt Simmons was drafted. And they wouldn't uh, like two weeks before uh, the World Series was to begin, and they would not make an exception and let them come out and pitch in the World Series. And of course, the Phillies mm-hmm. lost it in 1950 of four straight. Well, didn't he also lose part of his foot in a uh, a, 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 a grass mowing uh, incident? Yeah, lawnmower, lawnmower, lawnmower. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I I won't uh, elaborate on it, but it was just a great story. And I'd love to have Kurt Simmons on because here, you know, they own this golf course and now it's being sold or it has been sold. And, of course, they're letting it go. They they told brothers gets all the uh, uh, all the permits, you know, to build a a new community. Mm -hmm. So. You know that's sad. I mean, you know, when you uh, you lived uh, your whole uh, pretty much uh, career life after baseball, and you you have this golf course, and you're playing it, and you're living there, and now you know mm-hmm. you see it deteriorating because it's going to be built. Uh, homes are going to be built there. Right. No, yeah. One thing before we let you go, we wind up the show. Uh, I'm a little bit, and then I know Tiger Woods has been the guy you that for so many years is probably the greatest yeah. golfer of all time. It looks to me, unfortunately, like he's going in the wrong direction. I, I you know, I know everybody's hoping he's going to win another tournament. They're hoping he's going to win a, a major, but uh, it just doesn't look to me over what I've seen during the course of this year that he's mm-hmm. going to be in that category anymore. What do you think? Yeah, he certainly hasn't played well. Um, you know, I know he's, um, hasn't remarked about being uh, hurt or injured or, or not healthy, but, but, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's still a couple of majors left. I know that he typically plays well at Augusta. Um, you can never count him out. I mean, I, I don't disagree with, with your sentiment, um, you know, in, in terms of how he's played thus far, but, um, I don't know. I mean, something could click here, uh, down the stretch and, and hopefully he can, um, you know, if nothing else, I mean, we, we all know that this was pretty much a lost year for, uh, lots of people, you know, regarding sports and, and right, performances, right. and you know, even baseball, you're you're, you're going to see, you know, obviously a 60 game season, and and uh, um, you know that's less than half of what it would normally be. So you know, whatever they're going to try to make what they can out of out of what they have, and, and continue playing and, and earning dollar bills. And you know, we talked about this. I mean, if if Tiger Woods, you know, finishes in the top ten in a couple tournaments, eh, it's a pretty good year for him. You know, so. Um, well, all we can do is hope for hope for the best because it just it just it doesn't look to me. Uh, looks like he's hit that wall, and uh, you know, and I, I don't know, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm just gonna have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right about the Masters because uh, he you know he owns that course. I mean that, uh, yeah. but he's owned a couple of courses that he's played on so far this year. Sure. You know, he's had a tough time even making the cut. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he certainly hasn't um, 
flashed any anything that would suggest he's uh, a dark horse or even a favorite uh, down the stretch. Here. No. Again, you and can't, the competition you can't count him out. is so competition is so great right mm-hmm. now. I mean, there's yeah. so many great players, not just good, unbelievably good players. Well, you know, it gives him another year to try to make the, uh, the Ryder Cup team too, Tom. So let's let's hope. Right. Yeah. Do you see, uh, do you see Phil? A fellow see Phil Mickelson uh, uh, winning another master, another uh, major. Um, Phil Mickelson? No, I think he he's too much of a Same wild boat. card. Same <laughs> boat. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. He just won no. his first seniors uh, tournament. Yeah. I think he has oh, a bright future there, but yeah. <laughs> At least he went something. <laughs> something every tick, tick, tock, yeah. tick, tick, tock. Okay. Yeah. Hey, guys, Frank just said tick, tick, tock, tick, tick, tock right on my. So it's, I have to end the show tonight. Great, great, great show again. Thank you, Doug, for coming on our, our legends. Mr. Roger Hendler from Philadelphia, Mr. Don Henderson from the Jersey Shore. And of course, it wasn't for all this, all this production, Mr. Frank Carroll from right here in Tampa Bay. Gentlemen, Great job. Great job. I'll talk to you next you Wednesday. You too, Tommy. Week. Have a great week. Take Doug. care. And take care of our assistant Don. producer, Tommy. Don't forget him. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Don't forget Frankie. Hey, Frankie, I just want you to know how much I, I, I just love seeing pictures of your kids. I mean, congratulations. Terrific. Terrific. Take care, boys. See you next have week. A, God bless. Have yes, a great sir. week. Okay. Take have care. a great weekend. Thank you. Well, Frankie, great to have you aboard this week. And with my family, your family, and your, your dad's family, have a very safe Labor Day weekend. And please abide, abide by the offices of law and everybody else with authority. And please, six feet apart with the mask on. Let's make this a safe Labor Day weekend and make this thing go down. Thank you so much, and have a great week, everybody. Shemarek ma'yelama Shemahezahilma Suna shenevoratfet Hakuigaget ma'yelama
Yeah.